This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to the TSN MMA Show. It's UFC 231 Fight Week, and this is a stacked show. I don't like to brag, but I will. Why not? We got uh, an interview I did earlier with Dana White that we did at the Sports Center podium, uh, as well as Arjun Singh Buller, who came to TSN, and uh, we chatted. Joanna Yinjacek was here earlier this week. She joins me in studio, and Ariel Hawani joins me in studio. So we've got a lot to, uh, to, to digest for this particular show. Um, before we get into that, let's take a look at this past weekend. If you look at this past weekend, we've got... Um, we had uh, Kamaru Usman's kind of coming out party. He beats uh, Rafael dos Anjos afterwards. Uh, Dana White, whether strategic or not, in terms of uh, putting pressure on some fighters, talks about how he thinks Usman might be next in line for a title shot. I don't know if that's to put pressure on uh, Woodley or Covington or both of them, but he's, uh, he was all in on Kamaru Usman, which is cool to see. Uh, and then, of course, in the, uh, the main event over in Australia, Junior Dos Santos wins back-to-back fights for the first time since his title defense. It's been a long time. And his first finish in, I think, four years. So kudos to, uh, to JDS, who looks like he's back on track in the heavyweight division. Doesn't take much to get a title shot in the heavyweight division. Um, and that division's kind of up in the air right now because uh, Cormier is not looking to stick around much longer. Uh, a lot of pieces in flux. I mean, you know, if Stipe ends up becoming the champion again, I don't know if, what Junior Dos Santos' uh, chances are of getting another shot. He does have a win over him, but also uh, lost to him fairly decidedly uh, last year. So... We'll see where JDS goes from here. Tai Tuivasa suffers his first professional loss. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately in his home country. But uh, he'll be around for some time. I think that uh, it was a bit of a learning curve. I mean, his, his toughest opponent before facing George, uh, Junior Dos Santos was his previous fight against Andre Arlovsky. So uh, hopefully Tai Tuivasa, still young in his career, can bounce back. Uh, and his brother-in-law, Tyson Pedro, falls to Shogun. Shogun is back. I say Shogun because when I used to work with Moro Ronello, that's what he called him. So I, uh, I'll just go with that. If Moro, if Moro says it, he's, he's an authority on MMA. I can, I can, I can use Shogun as well. So uh, he, I think, is 4-1 in his last five. He thinks he's close to a title shot. I don't know if, uh, if that's going to happen. I, I think, you know, if you, you see what Anthony Smith did to him, that uh, the best years of Shogun might be behind him. But uh, a very, very good win uh, and, a, and a finish over uh, Tyson Pedro. Uh, young up-and-comer in the division. So a tough night for Australia. If you look at the main card, I think only one Australian won. Um, but uh, a very fun card. I like that card a lot. It was, uh, it was, it was, it, it picked up as it went on. I mean, there were a lot of decisions early on. Um, and then the ultimate fighter finale had some good finishes too. Uh, but I'm sure that uh, when I tee up an interview with Dana White, that probably takes priority over listening to me discuss uh, an event that happened nearly a week ago. So let's, uh, let's touch on... Uh, Let's uh, touch on a bunch of different topics with Dana White. Um, I do want to mention one thing. I was at the press conference uh, earlier this week on Wednesday, and um, before it started, we were told to only ask questions uh, regarding UFC 231. I was planning on asking Dana White uh, about Greg Hardy at the time, um, and ultimately we were we were politely asked not to beforehand, so it was good to, uh, to be able to talk to Dana White and, and square that up. Um, I also spoke to uh, Rachel Ostovich. You can find the article on tsn.ca slash UFC in terms of uh, that whole discussion. But uh, let's listen to the entire interview with Dana White from earlier uh, at the Sports Center podium. We talked on, about so many different subjects, and it was uh, really, uh, really great to have that much time with Dana White to pick his brain on, on all things MMA. So here's Dana White on the TSN MMA show. The UFC's in Toronto for UFC 231 this weekend. That means Dana White's here. 
Who's a bigger fan of Toronto, you or Max Holloway? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I told you I had hard questions Island. for you. <laughs> uh, I love it, though. I love Toronto, and obviously he loves Toronto, too. So one of it's the, all good. One of the big things people have been talking about um, is Greg Hardy in the mm -hmm. last couple of days. He was added to the card in Brooklyn. Uh, Rachel Ostovich on that card. Unfortunately, she's had some issues with domestic violence. And Greg Hardy, no matter how much time has passed, is, is tied to that. Right. Um, is he remaining on that card? What's going on with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, he's going to be tied to that for the rest of his career, for the rest of his life. Um, you know, this is a guy who has spent the last five years rehabilitating himself from drugs, alcohol, anger management, you name it, rebuilding his life. Uh, he hit rock bottom. He lost his job. And, 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 you know, he's building a family now. He has a son and a daughter and, um, you know, He's, he's trying to, uh, to put that behind him. Well, people are saying the optics of having him on the same card as her is, is tone deaf, uh, given what has just happened with Rachel, obviously a terrible situation. Yeah. Um, so what can you do to combat that? I mean, well, I think... First of all, I, I called Rachel Ostrovich and talked to her and, and walked her through this situation. And her take on it was his story isn't my story. Everybody's story is different. And, and I believe in second chances. I have no problem fighting on the same card with this guy. And, uh, you know, he didn't do anything to Rachel Ostrovich. So um, she was totally cool with it. So obviously having her support was, was a, you know, a key factor in, in making that decision. The matchmakers are juggling 100 things at a time. Did they pick up on the fact that they were on the same card, or was it just one of those uh, things well, where we, you plugged no, it we, in? We, we, first of all, th you know, these cards get worked on months ahead of time, and Rachel was off the card because of what happened. Then she called me back, and she said, first of all, I wasn't letting her fight after what had just happened to her. You know, I was like, there's no way that, 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 that she can fight right now. She needs to take some time. She called me and gave me 75 reasons why she needs to be on this card. And I agreed with her, and uh, so we did it. Could you foresee them doing media together? Um, I, I don't know. I'm not even thinking about okay. it that way. Uh, all right. We're I, it's, yeah. it's, it's, listen, if you want to make it an issue, you can make it an issue. Everybody can make it an issue if you, they want to. Rachel Ostrovich doesn't have an issue with it, and that's all that matters to me. The main event uh, just announced yesterday, uh, according to reports, TJ Dillashaw, Henry Cejudo is being moved off UFC 233 to headline uh, the first ESPN card. So champion versus champion coming out of the gates, uh, like you have in the past with, uh, with these new network deals. Um, what, uh, what led to that decision? Was it just a matter of trying to find the right fight for this event? Yeah, it's, it's both. It's trying to find the right fight. Who's injured? Who's already fought? It's always tough to get people to fight around the holidays. So we battle a lot of different things, uh, you know, heading into every January. So, you know, we've been working on all these different cards and we've been moving people around, um, you know, for like the last couple of months. So th this one ended up, we figured this would be the perfect headliner for it. This will take place at flyweight. There's been talks about the flyweight div division being dissolved. I know this has been a subject for some time, but recently we've seen a lot of flyweights get released from the organization and uh, you yourself said the future is murky. Could this save the division? Yeah, listen, I, I don't know. Obviously, if you look, we're, we're going into China right now with, with the uh, UFC Performance Institute. We're going into uh, Mexico building performance institutes. And, you know, we're going to find a lot of smaller people, uh, men and women. So we'll see how this thing plays out. Uh, you know, we're making some moves right now that, that, that make sense for us. And, and if somebody uh, pops up, 
that becomes a huge star and and you know a, a super talented fighter. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Weili Zhang is trend, trending in that yeah, direction. She's, she's phenomenal. Don't disagree. Um, with UFC 233 now, it seems clear that welterweight is, is in the discussions. I mean, th there's only really two divisions where there, there aren't title fights uh, scheduled, which is the strawweight division and the welterweight division. You mentioned Usman. Um, a lot of talk has been uh, around Usman potentially getting a shot at Woodley and Woodley pot potentially not wanting to fight this soon. What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, tell me when Woodley does want to fight. And, uh, you know, th th this is always an issue with Woodley. Um, you know, we're, we're going to move on. You know, th that division is stacked. We got a lot of good talent. Um, and whether Woodley fights or doesn't, we'll, we'll, we'll end up making a fight with some of the best guys in that division. Could it be an interim title? Could be. Um, well, we saw Colby Covington stripped of the interim title, I mm -hmm. guess, because he wasn't ready to fight. Do you feel like he might have reservations for fighting for that same title again? Yeah, you can't end up... I'm, that, that's up to him. I, I could care less what his reservations are. You either want to be a world champion or you don't. And if you, if you get the opportunity in this business, you need to take it immediately. He had the opportunity to fight Woodley. He should have took it. He didn't. And... Um, We'll see if, if, if he steps up and takes another opportunity. UFC 231 this weekend. Ioana versus Shevchenko. I mean, there, if there's one thing that people can say about the UFC, is that you guys don't shy away from making the biggest fights right away. I mean, you could have built to this, and you could have had Ioana fight a contender at flyweight, but this is the biggest fight you can make at flyweight, and you guys are making it right away. Right. Do you feel like there's nowhere to go uh, but down from here? I mean, this is an unbelievable fight. No, I mean, this is what we do. There's always somebody next. There's always another contender, and uh, this was the fight to make, you know? It got scary there. We, we had some problems, and it looked like we were going to tear this fight apart and make another fight. Thank God that didn't happen, and this fight stayed together because this is the fight that needs to happen. Uh, Max Holloway, Brian Ortega. The thing I love about this fight is just the style contrast. Max Holloway is death by 100 paper cuts, and Ortega is one of these guys where he lulls you into a false sense of security and just grabs something out of nowhere. Uh, do you like that? Do you like that, that contrast? I love everything about this fight. Um, you know, a guy who's on, uh, you know, the biggest win streak in the division versus 15-0, undefeated, both studs in the prime of their career. Uh, these are the type of fights that I love to make. I always say this, I love Toronto, I love coming here, so I was excited to come here this week and, and partake in everything that leads up to the fight, and I've been so excited for this fight. I, uh, I can't wait for this main event. How cool is Holloway's kinship with the city? It's been uh, the, the way he was received at that first Raptors game that he attended was, to me, I thought, was well above and beyond even my wildest imagination. Yeah, no, it, it's awesome. He, yeah, he loves this city. Who doesn't love this city, though? I mean, this, Toronto's a great city, and, uh, you know, th they love sports here. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, it, it's awesome. You've mentioned that you want to continue the Ultimate Fighter. There had been rumors that this would be the last season. Uh, is that part of the ESPN deal right now? Is, do they have that, uh, that built into, I guess, their schedule for next year? No, but uh, the Ultimate Fighter, we will continue to do the Ultimate Fighter um, and, and put it on Fight Pass. Oh, so that would be on Fight yeah. so that wouldn't be on, uh, on, on television. That as could a, be, as, it could be in other markets, but not, as not of right in now. the U.S. Okay. It, it possibly could be on TV, but as of right now. Would that take place at the new facility? Yes. And is the there new, another, the another new facility built? is being designed for the Ultimate Fighter, too. And for Contender Series. And yeah. Contender Series and a lot of other things. Live fights. Yeah. We'll be, we'll, we'll be able to do anything with the, with the new facility. Anything. I spoke to two of your pals, uh, Oscar De La Hoya and Tito Ortiz, uh, mm -hmm. recently. Uh, <laughs> they both said that they thought that the pay-per-view, the Golden Boy MMA pay-per-view, was going to do 200, 300, 400,000 buys. Yeah. Um, do you feel like uh, they were in way over their heads based on what you've heard since the event? 
I knew they were in over their heads when they started. You know, uh, I, I, I don't have much respect for De La Hoya. He's not a very bright guy. And, um, and Tito, <laughs> Tito, let's not even talk about Tito. Uh, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, you know, I, I feel bad for Chuck that Chuck got sucked into that deal with those two dummies and uh, yeah I mean it, it is what it is I I, I, uh, I don't think anybody thought that that thing was going to do well have you spoken to Chuck have I what have you spoken to Chuck since I've talked to him yeah what, what did you guys talk about I just called him and asked if he was all right how you, how you doing and everything and he said he was good and obviously you saw the video he put out he wanted to do that fight he felt like he had to do that fight and for whatever reason and He's a grown man, can do whatever he wants. So Oscar went into your space. You've talked about Zufa boxing for about a year and a half. Is this just a matter of wanting to do it at the right time rather than rush into something like Golden Boy MMA did? Yeah, I I've been taking my time trying to make the right moves. You never know, you know, I'm not diving in head first. You know, Oscar De La Hoya dove in and said, you know, oh, these guys don't pay the fighters. They don't do this, they don't do that. He, he was paying guys 1,500 a fight. 1,500 and 1,500, three and three. You know, you, you know that whole mess, but uh, yeah, I'm getting involved in boxing, and and it will happen this year. You, you mean 29? And it will not be the disaster that was, you know. Well, it seems like boxing, boxing is getting pretty oversaturated right now. There's all kinds of deals with tons of different providers, the Zone and Show and Showtime. Um, do you, do you feel like there's still room for more boxing? I mean, there seems to be about. 15, I mean, I'm not a huge boxing guy, so when I say mm -hmm. there's about 15 stars, I might be uh, either reaching or <laughs> underestimating, but there don't seem to be a whole lot of stars in the space right now. Yeah, well, you have to build stars. If you can build stars, then, uh, you know, the, the sport can do much better. I, listen, at the end of the day, I think I can do a better job than they do. And uh, I don't think it's oversaturated. I think that... Uh, you know, th these guys are spotty. They're hit and miss. Every once in a while, there's a big fight. I still haven't heard how this Wilder fight did, uh, Wilder versus Fury, but the fight was awesome. They're saying three to 400. It was a great fight. Yeah. Great fight, um, and the rematch will be even bigger. Absolutely, and heavyweight boxing's back. It's nice yeah, to see. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of heavyweights, Francis Ngannou got a win recently. He's back on track. Uh, are you happy to see him turn it around? I mean, he's. it seems like uh, you had mentioned his ego was starting to get a little bit out of control. He's moved from Vegas. He's back to France, back to his roots. Do you feel like he's back on track? Yeah, I mean, obviously he came out gunslinging and, uh, and finished that fight. So, yeah, remains to uh, be seen, you know, where his head's at and how he does. We'll see how he handles himself from here on out. You guys are sticking with the pay-per-view model. Um, it seems like a lot of different people, like Canelo, is going to DAZN and, and things of that nature. What, what's led you to stick with uh, the pay-per-view model when there's just not a whole lot of other people doing pay-per-views these days? Yeah, um, you know, we've done very well with pay-per-view. I mean, last year we did, this year, we did, you know, one of the top five all-time highest pay-per-views ever in the history mm -hmm. of pay-per-view. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Why would we go away from the pay-per-view model when we're still killing it on the pay-per-view model? I don't know. I mean, whether it's going away from it or whittling it down to four or six a year instead of doing 12 a year. I know you guys are going from 13 to 12 next year. Um, just to, to make sure that the cards are always stacked. Not that they aren't right now. Uh, you guys are building more and more talent than ever. But um, just, just to see that there might not be enough to fill up 12 great pay-per-views a year. Enough what? Enough talent. Enough talent across the board. There's not enough talent across the board to fill up 12 fights a year. I, let me tell you what. Well, you guys are doing. 50 let me tell you what. If that's true, mm -hmm. I'm in big trouble. All right. Fair All right. enough. 
you, you let me worry about that one. Fair All enough. Right. Uh, Sage Northcutt, he's left for uh, one championship. Uh, do you feel a little bit betrayed by this guy? I mean, you put a lot of promotional clout into no, 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 him. No, no, not, not even a little bit, no. Th this, this wasn't... This wasn't just the Sage Northcutt decision for him to leave and go over there. This was a decision on both sides. This is the right thing. This is the right thing for him, and it's definitely the right thing for me. Why do you think it's the right thing for you? Because, uh, because it is. This is the right thing. He, ne he needs to go to another organization. He's the greatest kid in the world. I love his family. I got nothing negative to say about the kid, but this is the right move for him, and it's definitely the right move for me. Uh, there's a lot of things I could say that would come off the wrong way, but this is, I, I like the kid, and I don't want to act like I'm coming off that I have anything negative to say about him. This is the right move for him. Was so, no, I do not feel betrayed. <laughs> this is the right move. Was a lot of it financial? Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah, he's going to do well financially, but, but no. Listen, if financial, if I can keep anybody I want to keep, this yeah, was the right people move. People are worth a certain amount. I mean, everybody's got their value. This was the right move. For both of us. UFC Definitely the right move for him and definitely the right move for me. It's the lone pay-per-view in Canada this year, UFC 231. Is there a Canadian talent that stands out to you as being a potential future champion? Off the top of my head, I can't answer that question. Fair enough. GSP. Whenever you're in Canada, you have to talk about GSP. We okay. always ask you. Uh, what, are, what are the chances we see him in 2019? Have you talked to him at all in uh, No, in I, I honestly don't think he's interested in fighting. Um, you know, he, he, he's sitting back and, and looking at things and saying, what would be the perfect fight for me at the perfect time in the perfect place? And that's just not what we do. You know what I mean? That's just not what we do. George St. Pierre wants to come in today and fight one of the top contenders in the world or fight for a title. We would probably do it at 170. You know, everybody wants to fight at 155 and fight Khabib or Connor. But, um, you know, and there's a lot of guys in line for that fight. If he wants to fight Woodley or somebody at 85 or, you know, one of the top contenders, one, two, or three in the world, we'd do it. Have you started to gravitate towards the, the idea of a 165-pound division? Not even a little bit. It's not going to happen. All right, fair enough. Yep. A lot of people said flyaway might go away and this, this division might be born. So, false? No, no, absolutely false. Not true. All right, well, we've got UFC 231. You love it here in Toronto. It's sold out. Um, do you have a, a, a gate estimate? I've heard big numbers. Uh... I think we're looking at, uh, was it 4 million? 3 million? That uh, was a million high. <laughs> 3 million. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, here in Toronto every year. And I love to be here in Toronto. And so It's good to have you. Thanks for doing Thank this. You. I appreciate it. All right. That was UFC President Dana White. Wonderful to get to speak with him. Uh, hopefully I'll get to speak to him a little bit more this week uh, during UFC 231 Fight Week. Uh, an absolute uh, a pleasure to pick his brain on a lot of different subjects that uh, I'm very interested in. You know, when I talk to Dana... The way that I always set up my interviews is I want to ask him about the things. It's, it's going to seem very simplistic, and I think I might have said this on the show previously. I want to ask him about what I want to know about. If I was going to watch an interview with Dana White that somebody else was doing, here's a list of what I'd like to hear him speak about. So sometimes it becomes a little bit inside. You know, if you're generally consuming an interview with Dana White and you're not that in on, on MMA, and if you're listening to this show, that's definitely not the case. Um, I don't try to, to, even though I work for a major network in TSN, I, I try not to dumb it down. I try to ask the questions that me as somebody who is in the MMA sphere is most interested in. Um, so from Dana White, we go to one of the most decorated female mixed martial artists ever, 
who arguably arguably could become the most decorated female mixed martial artist ever with a win this weekend against Valentina Shevchenko at UFC 231. She would be the only female to win a title in two different divisions, something that Amanda Nunes might be able to do later this month. She might be the first, and then her teammate Amanda Nunes might be the second. It might all happen in one month. But uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Ioana's as a human being. She's uh, she's very very uh, been very, very good to me. You know, when I was covering the event in Calgary, I had mentioned to her that uh, I had a fear that, you know, we had talked about my fear of heights in my last conversation with her. And she goes, why don't we go to the Calgary Tower? I was there yesterday. It's just down the street. Let's go. And I'm thinking, well, I mean, it's fight week. You got to cut weight and all that. And she's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'll be fine for cutting weight. Let's go. I spoke to UFC PR. We were able to get it done. And I, on basically a moment's notice, I went to the Calgary Tower with her and tried to overcome a fear of heights. So uh, thank you to uh, Ioanni and Jacek for, uh, for walking me through that. I was doing push-ups on the glass floor of the Calgary Tower. Un- unbelievable. And uh, she was very generous with her time at TSN, and uh, she came to us, uh, did a bunch of interviews, and uh, this is one of them. Here's Joanna and Jacek in studio for the TSN MMA show. A pleasure to be joined in studio by one of the most decorated female fighters in the history of combat sports. Jean Dobre. Jean Dobre. It's Joanna and Jacek. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite I'm, athletes in the I, UFC. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, like I said, uh, like I said, I didn't expect to be here and fighting in Canada this year again. My last fight was in uh, Calgary. Uh, this time I will be fighting on the other coast uh, in, in of Canada. But I'm I'm super excited, super pumped. So yeah, ready to roll. We had a fun experience last time in Calgary. You yes, took me to the Calgary actually, Tower. Actually, I'm I, I wanna go to that uh, Toronto Tower. Oh, the CN Tower. Maybe, yeah. Maybe maybe Friday. Maybe Friday. All right. I well, will find the time because today I'm very busy with the media, the press conference, uh, tomorrow open workouts. So. Mm, yeah, maybe Friday. I you can go. actually you can actually go out on the ledge on the CN Tower. There's something called the Skywalk. You walk outside. You have a bungee cord and you can walk outside. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I will do that. I'm afraid of that, as as you as you know. Yeah, but I'm getting better. You can you can go with me. You did that. I did that. Well, no, I haven't done that at the CN well, Tower. Let's, let's go again. We're gonna go again. <laughs> All right, geez. This this time I you know, I might need to bring an extra pair of pants because that's scary going outside in this. It's cold too. <laughs> you must back it up right now. You know. Yeah, oof, I don't know about that. Well, we'll talk after. Uh, so. 125 pounds. You're looking to make history, becoming the second, uh, no, sorry, the first female to own a belt in two different divisions. Actually, that- I like, I like, I like to make history, you know. And actually, like my whole career, is like one big uh, piece of history. And uh, mm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very happy to do that and happy to be the first one. Uh, it's a tough fight, tough matchup, but. Uh, I'm ready to take over and 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 win this belt, take this belt back home to Poland for my team, American top team, and my family, friends, and teammates. Mm, yeah, I, I like it. It's a very special month, you know. December is a month of Christmas, slowing down, present, good feelings, but uh, two title fights on the line, like in women's MMA, me and uh, Valentina Shevchenko, me fighting in higher weight class, and Amanda Nunes fighting in higher uh, weight class uh, against Chris Cyborg. And and we both, me and Amanda, we are from American Top Team. It's a, it's a beautiful month for ATT girls. I know in the past I've asked Amanda, do you work out with Joanna at all? Because her uh, her uh, fiance Nina Ansarov is fights well was fighting in your division yeah. in strawweight, yeah, and she Nina, used to say I, no. Actually, Nina is on the same card, and she will be facing Claudia Gadea. Yeah, your old friend, yes. It's a it's a big matchup <laughs> as uh, as well, but 
Uh, I'm not trained. Uh, I we don't train to uh, together. I don't train with Amanda. Usually we have like we we have camps in different time, uh, but she's uh, she's stronger. She's higher weight class, so there is no reason for me to train with uh, with uh, Amanda. Of course, I like uh, she's one of the greatest in the bantamweight division, and mm, she's very talented. She's a hard worker, and it's good to have her in 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 my team. But American Top Team is super big, and we have a bunch of talented, dedicated uh, athletes uh, who I'm training with. So uh, we always trying to match the mm, the best uh, sparring partners, you know, to get the best sparring partners. Uh, yeah. But as you know, knowledge is power. She's the only person to beat Valentina in the U.S. He has beaten her twice. Yes. Have you been able to pick her brain at all, talk to her about different holes that, I, I that she's that seen? I watched that fight with my coaches. Uh, and the good thing is that uh, my coaches... Uh, had Amanda Nunes prepare for that fight, uh, two fights with uh, Valentina Shevchenko. So uh, we had a perfect plan to beat Valentina Shevchenko even before uh, I signed the agreement uh, for this fight with Valentina. So uh, we, 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 we did some adjustments uh, and that's it. We're ready to roll. Now I said to Conan Silvera after her win in Edmonton against Valentina, that was a really great game plan for how to beat Valentina. Are, are you yeah. thinking of using something different or because you and Amanda are such different fighters, yeah. such a different style, yeah. such a different we, pace? We all are different, uh, but I have more skills to to, 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 to beat Valentina uh, Shevchenko. I mean, like, I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm, I'm talking now about me and Valentina, not about me and Amanda. I have more skills to, to beat Valentina than she has to uh, that skills to beat me because... Mm, she's only like moving forward or backward and you, you saw my fight with uh, Jessica Andras. Some people thought that I can only like fight forward, you know, but I can fight backward as well. I can fight from side to side. So I have, uh, uh, I'm very sharp and I will be very sharp on Saturday uh, in the octagon in Toronto. I have more skills. Uh, I can keep the pace, keep, keep the pressure uh, for five rounds all day long, you know. I've looked at every flyweight fight that's happened in the UFC so far. And if you look at women who have fought at strawweight before going to flyweight and women who have fought at bantamweight before going to strawweight, the women who fought at strawweight are 1-6-1. and one. They've only won one fight um, in, in that regard. Explain to me why size will not matter in this particular fight. Oh. Like I said, Valentina, you know, she fought in 135 division. I was competing in 115, but... It's a big challenge for me, and the size makes a difference, you know. Sometimes, but I feel stronger. I could, uh, you know, I was enjoying the camp uh, much more. I, uh, I, I'm full of energy. My my body recover uh, better, uh, faster. So I was able to do more, put on harder work than 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 usually. So um, I was never complaining about the weight cuts, the being on diet for so many weeks, but. Uh, I use this word, it sucks, you know, it sucks. And I see how this impact your body, your performance. Mm, so I was able to do more and put on better camp and, and just be better shape on Saturday. And it's not really on your mind, cutting weight, I'd imagine. I mean, I'm sure you're no. not going and eating those mango habanero wings you like, uh, but at the same time... <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 you yeah. Know, I, I stick to clean diet, uh, healthy food, and I was eating very clean and healthy, but I could eat more carbs, uh, 
what helps your body recover faster you know you have more energy and and i felt just great this camp we touched this on energy. this early on early on history is what motivates you and if you win this fight i will be the goat of women's yeah. mma so what what's left what's what what do you still have to achieve if you if you win could this be it uh, next year uh, fighting for the strawweight belt do you want to get that back of course yeah Beating Rose is probably one of the last things you have no, on, on your list. No, it's not about Rose. It's all, all about having the belt. It's so all the, about so having the belt. So if Rose loses to Jessica or something, no, if, if that's I will next. wait for this fight because it, there is more and more rumor. Uh, we can hear more about uh, Jessica f- uh, facing Rose Namayunas March or April. It must happen, you know. If not, the UFC must vacant the belt. You know, I don't want to talk about right now. I'm focused on my fight with Valentina Shevchenko and getting this belt. Uh, home uh, in the flyweight division, but she must fight. Oh, what's going on with Rose? They must I mean, make a plan. She's not injured. I don't know. Ask Rose, but she must fight till April. If not, they're going to strip the belt. So, mm, And I will fight for the vacant belt, you know. There is no even option to fight for the interim belt, you know, because she must, uh, as a champ, UFC champ, you must defend your belt once a year. So there is only like four months left for Rose, you know, she must make a decision. But, you know, I, I believe that Jessica and Rush is next in line. So I will take my time after this fight with Shevchenko, relax a little bit, refresh my mind, reset my body. I have a bunch of stuff coming up and outside the octagon. And, yeah, I will fight for the second belt. You can see me smiling. I know it's going to happen. Like, I've been talking about me moving up uh, to 125 division and finally it's happening, you know. Uh, I like to do things very quick, uh, but you know, I, I I was waiting for this moment for so many years. Are you still enjoying this 100%? I mean, you've mentioned in the in the past you love coffee, you love climbing, you love photography, yeah. you love you love so many different things. You know, biking yeah. outside of outside of the fight game. So, what motivates you to keep sticking with this and not saying, you know what, I've I've had an amazing career. There's so much more that I want to do in life. Still, I will feel this. I will feel this moment. You know, but. Uh, my teammate from like old gym just retired on Saturday, you know, and it's heartbreaking hearing this. And but it's this moment. But um, I'm looking forward. I cannot say two, three, four, five years longer, you know, because I don't know. I hope it's it's very hard decision to 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 make. And but man, I'm in my prime. And what happened last year? Uh, it was only a, 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 a big lesson, you know, and. And I'm coming for uh, everything what's left, uh, what I'm dreaming about. Uh, so that's it. I did I, some. I, I chase my dreams, my goals. I did a little bit of math, and I figured out how many strikes you throw on average in a fight. Do you, do you know what that number is? Do you have a guess? No. Nothing. Give me a number. I'll tell you if it's if it's higher like or lower. How many strikes you throw in a in a fight on average? During in your UFC one fight career, uh, all, like, all like the ha- fights in all your fights combined on average, how many you throw in a fight? How many strikes you throw? I don't know. I have no idea. Do you have a is guess? Is it impressive? Yeah. Is it? Is anyone like with the higher? I don't think so. Oh really? It's a big number. That's cool. Two hundred and forty-one strikes thrown in a fight. Two hundred and forty-one. Forty-one. That's, That's how many good. strikes you throw. I can do. I can go all day long. You know, I can go all it day. Seems long. that way. I'm a very happy to be back <laughs> on like. Uh, I I'm very happy to uh, fight for the belt because I can like 
be in the octagon for longer, five rounds, five minutes, you're, five minutes. You're so probably, that's good. in terms of strike differential, like how much you outstruck your opponents, you probably are like first, second, that's and third in the cha- in championship So I want to uh, uh, outstrike Valentina Shevchenko on Saturday and break the, and bring this uh, this uh, <laughs> this number uh, even higher. You know, this is a great time of year to fight because. After you're done, you can go home and, and celebrate the holidays. Yeah, it's. I didn't expect to fight three times this year, but this year, been busy seven months in the states preparing for my fights. But after after the fight, next day, I wish I could stay longer and enjoy Toronto. But like I said, my calendar is booked for next few months. Actually, after my last fight in Calgary, I did like bunch of good stuff. Collection with one of the house house with the house brand with the clothing uh, brand from Poland uh, at Disneyland. Very nice uh, photo shoot. Very nice collection. My first uh, clothing collaboration. I'm super pumped. I oh, cool. I was uh, I did some acting and and bunch of stuff coming. I did so many stuff, but uh, I have so many plans. Uh, or outside the octagon, outside the gym, and cannot wait. So I fly home next day after the fight. Cannot wait to see my family, stay with them a little bit, and and and, and enjoy the time with them. No, I spoke speaking to a uh, Joe. But Benavides. I want to fly to to Australia to watch uh, Whitaker fighting Gastelum uh, in in Melbourne in February. So I'm on the list to uh, uh, to, to to go as a special. Have you guest. been before? I fought in Melbourne and oh, I right. have like right. I ha- I have a bunch of fans from Australia and they been asking for so many years uh, when I will be back so guys I promise 90 99% uh, that I'm coming back in February That's awesome Yeah only to visit so I will enjoy yeah, the time You won't be fighting on the card no, yes no, no. <laughs> Don't get your hopes that high in Australia yeah. So, um, but yeah, definitely. I'm very happy fighting at the beginning of, of, of December, the end of the year. Uh, perfect, uh, beautiful moment. Get this belt back home. And how is everybody in your family doing? You they're, they're very good. They're good. very good. My, my twin sister is here, my brother-in-law, my cousin, my physiotherapist, my team. You know, uh, I love them so much. They're a big support and we're doing great. You had to spend the holidays with them. Uh, yeah. I know you're. I know you're a big Christmas fan. Yeah, big Christmas time, and it's very uh, special moment for Catholics in 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 Poland, and uh, it's all about tradition. I wish you, I wish you could uh, see the Polish Christmas Eve. You know, it's not only about the presents. Of course, the the whole world is uh, getting crazy. It's all about gifts, presents, but uh, really, like the Christmas Eve. The celebration of Christmas Eve, minimum twelve dishes on the table. Three days, it's all about food eating and people coming to the house you visiting people and it's a very amazing and special moment for for us it's beautiful so i hope it's going to um, be snowing uh, you, christmas you, before christmas you won't even think about it whatever the 12 dishes are going to be there and you're, you can just go <laughs> oh, wild man. yeah, yeah my mom is like you <laughs> must try uh, each of you know so uh, every 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 dish so that that's hard sometimes you know but it's good it's good cannot wait I was up uh, with my with my baby at like 3 a.m. last night, and I, I I did a bit of a deep dive. I was watching some videos on YouTube, and I saw an interview that, that your mom was involved in. She said she doesn't watch your fights. She, is, she, is does she still not. doesn't. She she's like the type of panic person, you know. So <laughs> something happened, like oh, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. So if I was dying, probably she she could like she she could like she. 
she would like do nothing, you know, because she was she she's always busy with panicking, you know. She's not crazy about, but she's like she panics, she she panics a lot, you know. She never watched any of your fights. No, she watched some, like maybe. Uh, no, she watches some. Maybe after, you know, when she knows the result. After she knows the re- result, she she watch, she watches the fight. So yeah, because you're, you weren't you weren't part of a fighting family. You just yeah, my, took my to father, it, right? My father, uh, he was not a big big fan when I became an athlete, a fighter, and Muay Thai fighter at the beginning. But now he's a, such a big fan, so uh, he likes to. I like the way he follows uh, this sport, so mm-hmm. that's nice. Well, this Good this interview see. was from a couple of years ago, and your mom was saying, yeah. "I don't think women should be fighting." She goes, "It they have such beautiful faces. We don't uh, want to see them get messed up." She's a fighter. She taught me <laughs> that. You know, she's a fighter and. She's a hard worker, and uh, my parents taught me that work hard. And uh, if you want to have a good life, just work hard. You know, it's not only about willing, dreaming, it's all about putting on hard work, being a good person, also. I saw that you had a gym basically set up in your garage that you had, yeah. You, you would Actually, go I bought, I just time. signed the agreement, like, I just bought a house, and there is a small room uh, downstairs. And I was like, I said to the lady, <laughs> to the architect, like, this is my workout room. She's like, look at me like so. So was this in Poland or in yeah, Florida? in Poland. Okay, so I'm going to have a workout, small workout room. You know, it's that's great. My, like going back to your roots. Mind. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I right. need it. I well, need it. You're going to try to make history. We're we're out of time, unfortunately. But I, I could talk to you forever, as you know. Um, yeah, my workout uh, T-shirt. Uh, I I I made this design with the Reebok, and I put making history. Uh, I made a history signing through this fight with Valentina Shevchenko, fighting for the belt in one in flyweight division. But we're gonna mm, do even more on Saturday, winning this fight. I don't know how the division is gonna get more exciting after this. I mean, what, this is the fight. This is it, right? <laughs> I mean, what's, what's gonna happen? The, it was the fight to make, and I'm very happy that UFC they they make it happen. You know, for the fans. Absolutely. Well, Joanna, thanks for your time. Thank Appreciate you so it. Much. This uh, Appreciate this Saturday, Toronto, UFC 231. If you're listening to the show, you probably I, I, know what that. What I'm hearing that the the <laughs> arena sold out. There's few yep. tickets left. Uh, 18, 20,000? No, less. Yeah, o- over 18,000. Yeah. 18,000. That's beautiful. So purchase your pay per view, and and I will see you there. There are some singles available if you know you want to go on your own. Uh, with singles. Single seats. Yeah, single S- seats. So if somebody wants to go by themselves, they can go. Oh, yeah, they can yeah, go. I'm it. single too, so, so I thought you were talking about me. I'm, I'm single too. Well, know? if you want to buy a ticket, I don't think I you have to. I think, you, I think you can get someone. a ticket. I'm kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding, you know, but yeah, that's cool. All right, there, are, there are tickets left, so guys, uh, come and support us, but uh, it's good to be back. I What I read, I think 60 or 80,000 Polish people living here in Toronto, mm-hmm. but actually on the plane to Toronto, I saw a bunch of uh, Polish uh, actually, the Canadians they are very supportive and they love uh, MMA. They love the sport and and thank you guys and uh, it's a pleasure to fight for you here in in Canada in Toronto. You want a former champion, maybe you want a future champion. That's Joanna Janjacek. Big fight against uh, Valentina Shevchenko. The odds for this fight I cannot understand. I do not understand or comprehend how Joanna Janjacek is a three to one underdog in this fight. It it boggles my mind. I think this fight is probably close to an even money fight. Very, very, very surprising that she's uh, that big of an underdog against Shevchenko. I know there's a size deficit, and as I mentioned to her in the interview, uh, women who have fought predominantly a straw weight moving up to flyweight are one six and one against fighters that have predominantly fought a bantamweight who moved down to flyweight. So size has historically mattered. Not a huge sample size, but um, we'll see how that uh, how that 
ends up playing out. Very, very big fight. Uh, so from Ioana, we uh, have another great in-studio guest, uh, somebody who I always love speaking with. It's Ariel Helwani. He was uh, very, very generous with his time as well. He was running, running the gamut here in, uh, in Toronto. He's, he's such a fan of Canadian sports media because it's what he grew up on. And his first opportunities really came in the U.S. So uh, he, he gets to kind of go back to his, to his youth, come to TSN. He, I took him to the Sports Center studio. He ended up on, uh, on Jay and Dan with Rod Smith as the co-host. He loved that. Loved being in the room with Rod, getting to hear the, uh, the dulcet tones of uh, Rod Smith's legendary voice in person. So uh, here's Ariel Hawani joining me in studio for the TSN MMA show. I'm now joined in studio by Ariel Hawani, a man who said he wanted to cross some things off his bucket list today. And here he is on the TSN MMA show in studio. How are you? I'm doing great. This is incredible. I feel like I want some sort of like sports fantasy camp sweepstakes where I'm getting to see TSN. I'm never, this is ho- hollowed ground. Hollowed ground? Hollowed ground? Hollowed ground. I'm very tired. I mm. woke up very early today to I'm fly to you. Toronto. But, yes, you, you are tired for other reasons. <laughs> I had the night shift last night. Oh, my. 3 a.m. But this is amazing. This is really cool. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, I think it's... Uh, you mentioned that it's kind of like uh, like winning a contest, but you you haven't done a whole lot in Canada, right? No. I mean, you, you, you went to school in Syracuse. Yep. And... I guess when you started at uh, AOL, I guess, was your first big job. That's U.S.-based, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, coming out of college, so I did go to Syracuse. That's where I studied uh, broadcast journalism. My first job out of college was with HBO Sports. That was in production, so behind the camera. And then I worked on a show for ESPN Classic, and then I worked for a production company, and then I worked for Spike TV, all behind the camera. And for the longest time, I thought that I was just going to be like a TV producer or something like that. But then in, uh, in 2007, I decided I was at the crossroads of my life and I was going to give it a go. Um, I was such a big fan of MMA and I felt like the sport could use some different voices and perhaps I could cover it a little differently. So that's when I decided to get into it. So my first real job in MMA was with MMARated.com, which was owned by the Wasserman Media Group. And then the next one was with Versus.com, which is now NBC Sports Network, and then AOL.com. People fail to realize how this is really the one sport where we've been able to be part of it since the infancy and see the growth. Yeah. Like, hands-on. Yeah. Our generation, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, we when the UFC really started, we were in our formative years. I mean, we were probably in university age and, and all of that. So getting to see see that is pretty a pretty unique experience because if you think of what baseball was like in whatever the 1800s, sure. <laughs> whatever the early 1900s, and even football. I mean, the CFL's been around for over 100 years. The NFL's been around for a long time. Going back and watching that archival footage, it's all Incredible. grainy. And, but we get to see this sport from, from the very start to where it is now. And, and the, the way that it's progressed from where it was then to where it is now is, is crazy. It's unbelievable. Like, you look at the UFC footage in, say, 1994, right, when they were one-year-old. And it looks like a completely different sport. You look at NBA footage, like if I look at highlights from the 1994 NBA Finals, Knicks and Rockets, it looks pretty much the same. I mean, yeah, the court's a little different and the the arenas, but it looks pretty much the same. It's incredible what has happened in 25 years in this sport. And I've always equated it to the leather helmet era in pro football. You know, like the first 30 years of pro football, they're wearing leather helmets. There's no grill. Things like, that's what we're in now. I feel like in 30, 40 years, we'll look back on this era. It feels like our sport is so grown up. But we'll look back and be like, wow, I can't believe things were done that way. And, and this includes everything from the way the sport is, is, is fought, the way the athletes are, um, 
you know, the, the, the money that they're making, the rights that they have, things of that nature. I, I just feel like the sport has so much more growing up to do. So, yeah, it is fun to be a part of it. I, I would never say that I, I entered on the ground floor because I, I think that's disingenuous. But to cover a sport, when I recall seeing the first iterations of it, is a pretty special thing. And, and, and really not a lot of sports journalists can say that about the sports that they cover. Unless they're, you know, 100 years old and still covering it. When I say the ground floor, though, I mean more the journalistic aspect of the sport. Because I don't think that the coverage was, uh, was quite as established. And if you remember, uh, I used to produce radio back uh, 10, whatever, 10 years ago. And booking UFC guests was so different than, than it is now. Like, was you it just, easier? You could just call the, I used yeah. to just call the gym. I used to call the gym. I'd find out where they were, were working out. Find the, call the gym Funny. number and be like, hey, is what's it called around? Yeah, sure, yeah, 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 hang on. <laughs> hand on the phone. And, wow. Yeah, and that's The way I used to do it was, do like. was I used to go on MySpace, and I would send like 20 to 30 messages a day to Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, George St. Pierre, and hope that, you know, three or four would write back. And it was so exciting when someone would write back to me. And I would send them a few links of my interviews and things like that. And and believe it or not, like, all the top dogs would eventually write back. I had a radio show at Syracuse University called The Main Event, where we did MMA and pro wrestling. We say, I say we, it was just me. In fact, I had a quote-unquote producer on the show that I used to speak to who didn't exist. It wasn't even a person. It was a fictitious character in my mind, but I just felt like I needed someone to interact with. And his name was Lester C. Dearson, of course, playing off Lester B. Pearson and giving a nod to my Canadian roots. So I would talk to him throughout the show, but you would never hear his voice. And on the last episode, after three years of being at SU, I, I, I told whomever was listening, and it was really just my mom and sister, that he didn't exist. And anyhow, um, I used to write that bef- this before MySpace, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2004. Um, I used to find they're like, you know, a few guys had their own personal website. Bruce Buffer had his own mm-hmm. website. I used to do the same, yeah. Dan Severin had his own website. The contact form. Exactly. <laughs> and you'd be surprised who'd write yeah, back. Yeah. It, was, it was incredible. And then you'd get their email address, and now there you go. Amazing. But uh, I tell a lot of aspiring journalists now that, to use Facebook Messenger for that purpose. Absolutely. And it seems like a lot of people uh, that I've reached out to through Facebook Messenger for articles are, are very quick to respond. Yep. And, um, you know, it's a little bit different covering the UFC than other sports. Like if I was covering, the, you know, the NBA and I reached out to a, a player on Facebook Messenger, let's say I, I reached out to, I don't know, Robert Covington on, on his yep. Facebook or his official website, and it was during the season, you get in big trouble for that. Huge, yeah. yeah oh, like we are the lucky. Like, will ban you. The show that I do on Mondays with all those guests, I don't think you could do it in any other sport. No, absolutely not. Maybe in boxing, yeah, because it's more like us. You can't even do it in pro wrestling. Like I've had a couple of WWE guys... When there's a connection, woo, you got to go through many different channels. Um, so we are very lucky. And I say this to young journalists or students that ask me about covering MMA. This is a great sport to cover. It's a great sport because the athletes are so accessible. It's a great sport because they are so candid. They're authentic. They don't have a million PR people telling them what to say. It might not be the best sport to cover because there's not a lot of money to be made and there's really not a lot of jobs. Like It really makes me sad. When I, when I sit back and think about the opportunities out there right now, there aren't a ton. It's not a great time to be an MMA journalist. But if you can carve out your own niche and, and, and figure out a way to have a, a strong voice, it's a phenomenal sport to cover given the characters. My favorite part of the sport, covering the sport, isn't the fights. At this point, I'm like immune to the fights. I've seen so many of them. There's fights every freaking weekend. It's like, gosh... Sometimes it's like enough, but the athletes I can't get enough of. I cannot get enough of, 
of, of just interacting with them because they're so great. Well, the backstories for all of them are crazy. Yeah. I mean, to, to be somebody who for a living enters a cage, uh, you know, in, in basically their underwear yeah. and, and fights somebody to, to see who will either submit or get knocked, you know, you have to have something that's happened in your life that gets you to that place. Like, there aren't a whole lot of them that had very normal, stable upbringings. No. A lot of them have had a lot of turbulence in their lives, and those stories are, are wild. It's incredible. And, and they're so open about their, their backstories, about what's going on right now, um, the trials and tribulations. And there's so many different, I, I just find in the fight game in particular, and this is not, you know, exclusive to MMA, but in the fight game, like, you just have such great characters, such great stories. And it's not just the fighters. It's the coaches. It's the managers. It's the promoters. I just love... It's, it's, it's really like a circus at times, but it's fun because everyone is so different. And, you know, I'm a huge NBA fan. And we deal with this sport where, you know, this week it's, it's Valentina Shevchenko and she's trying to finally become a champion. And it's Ioanni and Jacek and she's trying to, you know, regain Make history and become glory, a champion. Yes. First and, and there's Ortega trying to finally get all that stuff. There's these like great stories. And then next week, there's Kevin Lee trying to avenge his loss to and mm-hmm. a whole new set of stories as opposed to if you were covering the NBA and it's game 46 of the regular season yeah. and it's the Bucks and Sixers and it's like yeah it's a good game but like what does this really mean you know what i mean but is this starting to get to that point like if if you see some of these cards in China and i mean these are these Scary are fighters that thing, are developing man. They're well, developing, and we we will know more about yeah. it. like Wei Li Zhang, for example. Oh, um, yeah. I brought her up actually in the interview with Dana that I did today um, because we we somehow veered into talking about China. <laughs> I, don't, okay. I don't remember how. Oh, yeah, it was because we were talking about uh, Francis, mm. and I think um, something along those lines. And I was saying that it's pretty it's pretty cool to see how far along she's already come with just two fights, and now she's going to be fighting Tisha Torres stateside. Yeah. She fought Danielle Taylor in in L.A. Um, and it's going to be hard for a lot of these fighters from different countries that are kind of developmental prospects that are representing a region to break through. Yeah. Because they always want to have them on that region's card, and those are the cards that I think, at least in North America, are viewed less than others yeah. because it's not at the same time as the weekly routine is. But there's a bit of a blueprint. Like, they'll put them on those regional cards, so to speak, for a couple fights, and then they'll, 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 they'll do the big jump over to the United States. But it takes time. It does take time, but actually, that's not my biggest concern. My biggest concern is oversaturation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just don't feel like right now they have the roster depth. I mean, look at what's going on with Brooklyn and Anaheim. Yeah. You know, we're talking about the debut on ESPN. We should not be in a position where we are taking fights yeah. from other cards to fill up that card. And now we might be seeing another interim title at welterweight. I was That's a today. card that should have been set a month ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It should have been treated like an international fight well, card. If you read it, when Sports Business Journal released that ESPN got the deal, yeah. they had said that they expected the first fight. They, w- they said they would be surprised if uh, they didn't put Lesnar versus Cormier on ESPN for the first fight. Who said that? Uh, John Oran of Sports Business Journal. Phenomenal journalist. Yeah, and, and I but mean, I don't know if he had a, inside a, knowledge of mm, it, but at the same time. It sounds like a, a, I mean, they, they wouldn't, that, their, their business model doesn't Yeah, I mean, that's that. a pay-per-view fight. Yeah. But at the same time, if they were gunning to do that, and that falls through, now you, you're juggling. Sure. And that seems to be what, what happens a lot. I mean, I know Costa and Romero was on the table, and then one of them gets hurt, and Costa's I mean, injured. I, 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 I said this to, to, to Romero's manager. That's not, that's not an acceptable main event for Agreed. the debut. 100% on agree. I was it, thinking that when I read that, I was like, oh, I thought this card was going to be big. I had to, I, 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 I like quadruple checked that. I was like, this makes no sense. And then I heard of some of the other fights they were trying to put on. I'm like, guys, this is the debut. Now, for those that don't know, 
the main card is on ESPN Plus, and that's ESPN's new streaming service, which is a very important um, venture right now for the company. Yeah, it's not just the main card, though. It's the whole... No, no. The main card is on ESPN Plus. The prelims are on ESPN. That's how big ESPN Plus is right now. They are using the wow, prelims to drive you to ESPN Plus. You understand that? Well, well ESPN Plus is huge for value added. It's I mean, huge. for five bucks a month, what I'm you're proud getting? to be on it. Yeah, and I, I will say that I'm proud to be on. It. I do a show with Chael called Ariel and the Bad Guy, and um, it's exclusive to ESPN Plus. And look, you could call me biased, or whatever. I'm very proud because we're there on the ground floor. We're one of the first original shows that they've ever produced for that platform. But if you actually look, like, I just got a coffee before, and it was like five something. This is four ninety nine. What kind of coffee was it? Five bucks. It was. Oh, it was a latte it was, then. Yeah, it was something okay. like that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> I was gonna say you must have gotten a pour over. No, or no, something. no, no. But but like four ninety nine, and you get the entire thirty for thirty library. You get live top rank. You get NHL games that you don't get on television. You get the uh, you get, insider. That's that to me is worth five that, bucks alone. It used to be. Crazy. It used to be more than that just for insider. Now the thing that I'm waiting for is, are they going to make some sort of bundle deal with Fight Pass? They are. They said that uh, from the jump. Yeah, but they haven't announced it. No, it's been discussed. It was discussed uh, right when they announced the deal. I know that but they were gonna, they were going to give you Fight Pass for five bucks extra rather than ten bucks. Are you sure about yeah. this? Yeah, you'd get ESPN Plus for five bucks. Yeah, and then they'd give you five uh, Fight Pass for another five bucks. So if you were already subscribing to Fight Pass for ten bucks, you're getting ESPN Plus basically for free. I had heard that same thing, but I don't know if an official. I mentioned it to somebody today, and they they didn't. Someone that, from the UFC? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I don't want to say who. I, I've talked to people in the UFC, and they haven't confirmed to me yet what is happening with Fight Pass. So maybe we're talking to different people mm. because I've heard that, and I wanted to know if it's true, but I've yet to see like an official stance. That would be phenomenal because yeah. right now you're paying $9.99 for Fight Pass. And if like I'm a sports fan. I know some MMA fans are not general sports fan, span, fans, but... Like you're getting all that other stuff. There's a lot there, and there's a lot more to come. And the Katie fight, Nolan fight show is going to ESPN Plus too, isn't it? If I'm not mistaken. Yes. So you get the Fight Library and Contender Series going to be on ESPN yeah. Plus. Although I found out today that the Ultimate Fighter is going to be exclusive at, at, as of right now is going to be on Fight Pass if they do bring it back. I'll believe that one saying, when I see yeah, it. Yeah, which are saying I, they are. I, I don't see the reason to continue that. It, it is not a very cheap um, endeavor. It's 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 costing them money. Like why? You have well, they're a new series. facility that's going to be able to just run. It's, it's, yeah, but you still need crew. You still need to tape the thing. Yeah, yeah, you know for what sure. I mean, I think that that doing it the the other Ultimate Fighter gym, there were a little bit more. There was something a little bit more to it. It wasn't as advanced of a facility. This new facility is going to be state of the art. It's going to be for live fights. It's going to be just look at the ratings. I mean, that oh. is a dramatic drop. Well, it's not just the ratings. If you look at this past season. Uh, I mean, no disrespect to the, the talent on the show, but the heavyweight and and the women's featherweight, like these no. were not high caliber fighters. Well, well, the, the, I hate to say it, like I, I again, I don't want to rip any fighter because these guys work so hard. Th- did you read my stat about Juan Espino? Oh yes, yeah, that he's With older. Than, he's older than yeah. Diego Sanchez, who won the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, won. that's a great find. <laughs> but you know, the thing is about the Ultimate Fighter in the early days, which was phenomenal. Like Tough One was great, of course, but even like Tough Five, I think pound for pound, best cast, uh, the lightweights. And, and 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 even later on, it was all well and good. The problem is going back to our original point: too many shows, talent that would be tough eligible, are now already in the UFC. There's well, no the such contender thing. series. The contender series had great heavyweights well, this season. But and also, if if I'm if I'm an up and comer, I'd much rather go on the contender series, fight one, one fight week. live, yeah, one and week. Then, as opposed yeah. to go live in a house and not see my family for and and not talk to them and not have any access. 
the, I felt the bad for that guy that won Contender oh Series. Oh, my God. Sorry, he didn't win Contender Series. He won on Contender Series. And they're like, you can be on the Ultimate that Fighter was now. The and, it was like, and they lost in his first fight, of course, on the Ultimate Fighter. And then had to stay there. Yeah, had to stay there. God. Away from his family. What a kick in the balls. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's the I worst. I think they need to change the format up at the very least. But the, the problem that I had with it is that all the good talent was going to Contender Series, and then the scraps were going to. Yeah. And now, of course, so then you, why look keep at, it? you look at the rankings. There's no women's featherweight rankings. They just had this whole featherweight division that was supposed to be born of the show. And there's nothing uh, there. Who got signed? I don't know. Look, if Amanda Nunes pulls off the upset and wins, and Cyborg's contract is up in March, this could be the end. Oh yeah, there's just no, there's not a deep enough pool, and I think that they knew that bringing Cyborg in, that was their reluctance to to build that division in the first place. And how about the PFL doing a 155 pound tournament? Yeah. I don't even know if there are <laughs> eight women on this planet yeah. that fight at 155. Well, at least they have any credentials. I mean, uh, just, yeah, just, just make it the Kayla Harrison show. Just give her a belt and have her fight. People like Chris Cyborg. Does. If That's you think what I would just do. if you just think back to who's fought for the 145 title in the UFC, how many of them have cut weight? Yeah, <laughs> it's like just Cyborg for the yeah. most part. Megan Anderson cuts weight to make 145, yeah. but she hasn't she, fought for the she title. She fought for the belt. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's it's no fault of anyone's, but there's just not enough now. Uh, Invicta just had a, a featherweight title fight, which was fine, but there's just not a lot of women who fight at 145 pounds. Women's MMA in those weight classes is a little bit behind the others, and so. Um, I think the right move was to bring Cyborg. I, I don't. I don't think that was the wrong move. But at this point, it's the Cyborg division, and so I wonder what happens if Amanda Nunes wins, because obviously she would go back down. Yeah, I don't think she's who's she going to face at one forty-five. Yeah. I mean, she's already. She's going to. I think Holly Holm is the next logical fight for her at some point. If she wins, um, if Nunes wins, well, win or lose, she, yeah. I mean, I think Ketlin Vieira's earned, earned her spot at bantamweight as well. But yeah, she's just not really know. that much yeah, of a draw. I don't think people know who she is. She just got injured and unfortunately hasn't fought much this year. I think just once this year. Right. So it kind of derails her momentum. Um, what's going on at welterweight? I spoke to Dana about this today. Yeah. I mentioned um, Tyron Woodley and Usman. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, he brought Usman into the conversation recently when Usman won. Uh, they obviously want a headline. So there's two divisions that could headline in my based on what's booked right now, 233, mm. which would be strawweight. And welterweight. Yeah, Everything else is pretty Ro- much. Booked. I don't know if Rose. Did you ask him about that? I mentioned well. I mentioned welterweight because it seems like all the rumors. Yeah. And I, when Joanna was here, uh, she mentioned that she had heard Rose was going to be fighting Andrade in March or April. Yeah, Rose isn't ready. Um, if you just go through the roster of champions, yeah. there's What's no up one. With Rose? Rose has a neck issue. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so she's taking time off. And if you just go through, like, we could, we could do it very quickly. Yeah, Heavy, I, I did it in my head. It's just welterweight. Heavyweight, light heavyweight, yeah. Daniel Cormier, we know that, you know, he's probably going to fight in around March or yeah, so. Although they did reach out to him to try to save the day again, but... <laughs> no win, no, no dice. No dice. <laughs> um, uh, Robert Whitaker fighting in February, we know that. Let's save uh, welterweight for a second. 155, Khabib, we don't yeah, know what's going on, but he wouldn't turn around and yeah. fight that quickly anyway. Holloway's uh, this weekend. Holloway's this weekend. Now, Ortega, if he wins, I could see them trying to have him fight in Southern California. Does he want to do that after winning the belt? And also, who the heck does he fight? Yeah, and you could do an interim bantamweight, but all the bantamweights are tied up. Right. I mean, I guess they could make Cruz Lineker for the interim bantamweight no, we're title. We're talking about a pay-per-view yeah, headline. Yeah, a pay-per-view headline. Come on. Yeah. Um, Flyway, we know Henry Cejudo's fighting January 19th. <laughs> and then you got Cyborg fighting December mm-hmm. 29th. You and got Nunes. Nunes 29th. Uh, Flyweights this weekend. And Rose. So you have just welterweight. Tyron Woodley told me he cannot fight on January 26th. He's still recovering from hand surgery. And and anyone calling for him to be stripped, he just fought in September. Relax. And he took that fight on short notice. So what are you going to do? An interim welterweight title fight between Usman and Cummings? I'll tell you now. I think he's going to get stripped if he's not fighting on that card. January 26th? Yeah. 
That's absurd. I, I don't disagree, but I think that that's the direction that it's heading in right now. Yeah, that's absurd. Mm-hmm. You know, but but is it as absurd as just bringing back another welterweight uh, welterweight interim title for Covington to become the two time interim? But, but that, <laughs> well, that, but that is absurd. I don't think he's, don't right. know if he's gonna be Usman, that can't headline a pay per view. Yeah, it cannot. Um, and Why not headline it with Lawler and Askren? I mean, just have a non-title five-round no, fight. You can't. You can't introduce uh, Askren. Make it. A, I mean, they had the opportunity to make it a bigger deal. They, than, they will than not, they unless it's Conor McGregor. They will not headline a pay-per-view. Yeah. With uh, I mean, if Diaz Poirier wasn't going to headline MSG when yeah. they really had that opportunity to bump yeah, that up, they're, they're 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 not interested in doing that. And I understand to a degree. Um, what I would do, honestly, I know they probably don't want to hear this. I would scrap that card and I would load Brooklyn up. I would yeah, put Lawler Askin on Brooklyn. Now, they asked Lawler to fight in the main event on, on Brooklyn. He said, no, maybe he wants to fight three rounds. He didn't want to fight five rounds but coming off the ACL. it's also, from a strategic standpoint, if you're Lawler, you're fighting Askren, the main event, if Woodley ends up fighting, is Woodley versus Usman or whatever. If one of them has to pull out, and uh, let, well, let's say Usman had to pull out, and Lawler would be next in line to fight for the title if it's on that same Yeah, card. but Woodley's not fighting on it. You can't force He's him to fight. He's not going to fight. Yeah, okay. yeah, you can't force him to fight. Because he was just on Instagram Live and within the hour, this last hour, yeah. ripping Colby Covington, saying he's going to open hand slap him and, and yeah. all this stuff. But I, I was on the Instagram channel. I'm like, are you fighting at the are you fighting yeah, at you wrote him? Yeah, I don't did know. He, I'm trying to get he, news uh, if I can. Did he Didn't uh, respond? respond? No. No. You know, the, the, the thing is, like, I really want to see that fight. And I think Kamaru Usman deserves the next title shot. 100%. Over Covington? No. He deserves to wait for the winner of that. Okay. He just fought. Yeah. Like, he is Woodley, the number one contender. Covington Woodley is a slam dunk in terms of promotion. It slam is, dunk. It is such a great fight, and it has such a great backstory, and it has been building for so long. To me, I would I just please just wait. You know what I mean? And this is the problem. Too many shows. Well, you know, I asked Dana about this today also, and he, he got that, this was the one thing he got angry about. He didn't get mad about Greg Hardy or anything like that. I mentioned the pay-per-view model. I go, should this change? It's, you guys are basically the last man standing in the pay-per-view world. Boxing's all going to OTT platforms. Um, wrestling has the WWE network. So really, in terms of regular pay-per-views, it's just, you know, the UFC is the last, the last entity that's doing that. And I said, and he goes, what, he goes, what do you know about the pay-per-view model? I mean, it, it's working for us. We just had one of the biggest in history this last year, and I, I don't disagree with him. But I said there, there are too many events to fill in order yeah. to keep stacking the pay-per-view. And I go, you guys have done a good job of stacking pay-per-views, but it would probably be a lot easier if you whittled it down to four or six a year. Sure. That's now, what I was really hoping for. Now, of course, the argument against that is you want to bring numbered events to, to new markets and different markets in order to um, help with tourism and uh, whatever reason. And those events are considered the marquee events. And for them to step away from that um, suddenly might cause some issues. Well, there's, there's, there's a trickle-down effect because you're trying to stack those shows. And then, like, look, for example, this month, you have two pay-per-views this month. Four title fights. Yeah. No coincidence that there's no title fights for January. Yeah. Right? right. The UFC is in this habit now of doing, it used to be very rare that they would do two title fights on a pay-per-view. Very rare. Super special. Yeah. It would be like UFC 100 level. Now it's the norm. Now it feels like you have to do it. But there's always going to be that other side of the coin where you have this other card that is super, you know, super thin and struggling to to, to have a proper headliner. So, um, well, and here's the other thing: you're scrapping flyweight now, like you're yeah. getting rid of a title divi- a division. I don't with think title. that makes any sense. And, and, and I asked and, Dana about 165. He says it's not on the table. Says, yeah, I, I, I saw it. that report. I, I I don't think that that's accurate either. Their their whole stance um, towards the flyweight division is very strange right now. Uh, the fight, 
like even doing TJ versus Cejudo, which is a great fight, and to me is a great fight for the debut because it's on ESPN+. It's Plus. Champion versus champion. Yeah, but you're Rumble. tying up now two divisions. Yeah. You, uh, you know what I mean? It's, I've been talking about bantamweight for a while because if you look at the last, I think it's three years of the division, there's only been four people that have competed for the title. Yeah, I feel so That bad. division's been stagnating for years. And could you imagine if Cejudo wins? Yeah, so if he's Cejudo, next in line for bantamweight. He jumps the queue. Like, he absolutely has to. Yeah. How do you not make that fight, yeah. right? So what do you do if you're Marlon Moraes? What do you do if you're Lineker, Cruz, yeah. and you win that fight? Sal, yeah. Oh, All these God. guys. It's, they it's, just have to keep sitting around and waiting, and it's unfortunate because— Listen, I'm happy that we're not matchmakers and we just get oh, to opine. Yeah. It's a tough job, but it's made even harder when they have so many fight you know, fight cards. that they're, they're stretching themselves too thin. And, and I think a lot of people were curious to see if it would change come the new era, the new TV deal. It doesn't appear to be that. They've sold the same amount. And so it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, it's very cyclical. Remember in 2016, they had a phenomenal year. They had like five pay-per-views at over a million buys. 2017 was down. I think 2018, obviously the Habib fight yeah, was gigantic. Average, it'll, yeah. It'll bump it a little um, bit. So, you know, it just kind of goes like that. I'm curious to see what happens in 2019. What do you think is going to happen with Connor? If you had to guess, uh, in terms of his punishment or just no, what's, in terms next? Of what's next for him, I I think it should be Nate Diaz. Um, nothing has really been decided, made concrete. But to me, do Habib Ferguson try to get back to a little bit of normalcy, and then do Connor versus Nate. And if I'm advising Connor, if I'm either his coaching staff or his management team. Let's get a win. Mm-hmm. Let's get our mojo yeah. back. You know, let's get let let's let's get our confidence back. Let's get a win. Let's get a big high profile fight against our rival trilogy. And Diaz wins is good for them too. It's it's very sellable. Yeah. Let's just get a W and then we'll revisit Habib. But to me, go right back in there. We're hurting our brand if we now lose again, right? That would be three losses in a row if you want to include the Floyd Mayweather fight. And I have no doubt that he would take that fight today, the the rematch against Khabib. But there's there's you know there's strategy involved yeah, here. You, yeah, you I'm with you. I don't think back. that Khabib is the next fight for him. I don't think it makes sense. To me, the fight that makes sense. By the way, I don't really like the Poirier thing. Doesn't make any sense to me. And if we've learned anything from Conor, like look how he dealt with the Jose Aldo fight. If he won in very impressive fashion, it's going to be very hard to convince him to do it again. Because how are you going to top this, right? right. So he, 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 you know, he, he beat Poirier very convincingly. What's there to gain from fighting him again? Oh, Poirier's won a few fights it in was, a row. The second DS fight was a split, wasn't it, if I'm not mistaken? I can't remember. Uh, I feel like yeah, was. maybe. Yeah. It was super close. Yeah. Some people think Diaz won. I thought mm-hmm. Connor won. Uh, yeah, so it um, But it's, I mean, who doesn't want to see that fight one more time? Now's the time to make it. And now it. there's no I belt mean, attached yeah, to it. Yeah, exactly. Now's you know the time I mean? to make it because there's no stakes. And, like, he's not tying up the division. Mm-hmm. Do the fight at 155 now. You know, they both fought out uh, twice at 170. Yeah. You, you figured that whole thing out. Now put a new, you know, coat of paint on it, 155. And, you know, I have to say, Nate Diaz is an uber star. But I think if he were being was being honest and his team was being honest and they went back and sort of dissected how they handled everything post UFC 202, Nate Diaz hasn't fought in two and a half years. Mm-hmm. I think they they fumbled a little bit in the sense that you know, the guy, like, the fans, are like, they kind of move on. What do you mean? I feel like if, if you if you can hold out and wait for that third Conor fight, that's the the best business decision. So he, if, let's say he goes in and loses to Poirier. Well, I mean, it, take, it takes a ton of, ton of I don't momentum. I they were, they were 
viewing it that way. Of course, I mean, you, you're, you're playing with fire every time you fight. But I just feel like two and a half years in the prime, like he was blazing hot mm-hmm. after that That's second true. fight, right? Blazing. I don't think we'll ever really know how much of a sell he would be. Because there's just I no, was fascinated to see. There's no number. There's nothing that you can say where you know he just headlined his own card and now he's yeah. he's sold whatever eight hundred thousand papers. Yeah, I was. Fa- see, remember um, the year after? So it was UFC. Not two, two thirteen. So it was the summer after two hundred. The the card that was headlined eventually by Romero Whitaker for the interim belt, and it was supposed to have Nunes Shevchenko. It was the International Fight Week yeah. card, and it ended up not being what they wanted. They wanted to do Ferguson versus Nate Diaz on that card, and I thought at the time that that card could have done around 900000 with those two. Now I don't think so, but that's how hot Nate Diaz was mm-hmm. coming off the— That the, would have been a great fight, too. That would have been phenomenal. Um, I just So the way to build Nate Diaz back is really to put him in there, I think, against Connor one more time. Well, we have these kind of talks, just you and I, off, off mic, and I could talk to you about this forever, but you have, uh, you have a show to do. you got to go do oh, yeah. Dan Dana. We're done? That's yeah, it? I guess so. I mean, it Gosh. flies when we talk MMA. That was, that was 20, 28 minutes. That's all you got? Uh, i got a lot more, but <laughs> we just don't have time. All right. I don't want to keep, Thank uh, you for keep having me. Jay and Dan. It's fun to do it in person, right? That's oh, awesome. I love yeah. it. And, and that's why uh, I think your show has been uh, really phenomenal. Um, I mean, it's always been really good, of course, but I think you've really hit uh, a stride where every week – it's just the best of the best. And and there's always a surprise, it seems, every week where you're like, oh, wow, that that's kind of like a, an in-studio guest, and it comes out of left field. Sure, sure, sure. Thank, um, I appreciate it. I, yeah. I, I really work hard, and I book the whole show myself. Um, well, that part which is, is crazy to me. Which is very stressful. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I really put a lot of pressure on myself to top it every week. And so uh, You know, I tell aspiring producers this. I say, I say to them, take your best lineup that you've ever done and just keep it on your desk and yeah. look at it every day and say, I, and just try to beat it. Yeah, I try and to. I tell it. chase producers that I, because that's what I used to do. I used to chase producers. I said, and I used to keep my the best show I had done. I'd always have it tacked up on my desk. Really, to try to beat it. By the way, what's chase producer? It, booking guests. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay, guest okay. booking. Yeah, I don't know if the layman's yeah, uh, know that. Right, yeah, you with your insider terms. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a, it's a hard gig, man. It's a really hard gig to book, and um, I try to top myself, and sometimes I get very disappointed that I can't get the big guest, but. Um, it means a lot, especially now, you know, like with my move and everything, and that's a whole different topic for a different day, that, you know, the, the audience stayed with me um, means a lot. Well, I think that if anybody else booked your show for you, it wouldn't, it be. wouldn't, it wouldn't work. I don't trust anyone to do it. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. I would but probably, if somebody says, I'm reaching out on behalf of Ariel Hawani, it's it doesn't different. carry as much weight it as is you different. sending yes, I think somebody so. you have a rapport with. I think so. And um, also, like, I think I would kill that person. Like, I, I, I think I would annoy them so much. Has this person responded? Has this person responded? Did you reach out to them? I might as well just do it myself Mm -hmm. for now. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, I'll let you go. Thanks, man. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. I'm glad that you could cross this off your bucket list coming into the studio. Thank you, yes, absolutely. This is it. This is the dream. (laughs) All downhill from here. Absolutely. All right, thanks, Ariel. Appreciate it. That was Ariel Helwani. And finally, uh, the the last guest on the show, another individual who came to TSN, uh, is Arjun Singh Buller. He's uh, been on the show several times. Uh, You know, he's a really great guy. He brought his wife and his aunt and his, uh, his nine-month-old baby to TSN. And uh, it was so cool to meet them and then get to hang out with Arjun because he's just such a, a proud um, Canadian, a proud Sikh. Um, he's very proud of his Indian heritage. And uh, just getting to, uh, to, to see that passion in person, uh, face-to-face with him, and he's just smiling and, and, and just so happy to, to represent 
those facets of his life. And uh, that really translated when we spoke. So here he is, Arjun Singh Buller on the TSN MMA show. He represents a nation of 34 million in Canada, but also a nation of a billion in India. It's Arjun Singh Buller. Billions a lot more than 34 million. Yes, sir. I like, <laughs> I like playing the numbers, so, so it's all good. Absolutely. I mean, what does it mean to you, really, to be able to represent um, India? There's only one Indian-born fighter in the UFC, uh, Bharat Kundari. And then there's yourself, who's, uh, I don't know if he's Sikh, but you're, you're a Sikh fighter. You come to the, uh, the octagon with your turban on, and yes, you get to represent uh, your entire community. It's very important to me. First, I represent Canada, the Maple Leaf, proudly, have uh, as an Olympian for many years. Um, but this opportunity to represent one billion, the Indian flag, in the UFC is huge. Um, obviously, yes, my Sikh heritage is, plays a big part. Much like Khabib, uh, you know, they talk about the Chechen, the Dagestanis. Uh, that's where their fighters come from. Uh, in, in India, it's, it's the Sikhs in, in northern Punjab. Um, that, that's where, where the fighters come from. So I represent all that and opening up doors, hopefully, for many more. And, I mean, the Sikh have a, a big history of fighting, right? Within, within uh, I guess, the, your blood, pretty much. M most definitely. The Akaras, uh, where the wrestlers came out of, um, you know, uh, our Sikh lineage, our, our, our teachers, they, they practice wrestling. Um, Kushti style, in, in, uh, traditional style, in, in the dirt. Um, Kabaddi, um, you know, martial arts has always been uh, a part of our, our, our belief uh, system, our, our values, our heritage. Um, taught to the people to, to get ready for battle. Um, anyone that came into India, invading armies came through the north. They met my people, the Punjabis. And um, you grew up in an interesting environment. You have a big barn, right, in Richmond, B.C., where you and your family would pretty much wrestle. Yes, 100%. Uh, you know, it's a good way to grow up. Um, you know, we have over 20 people that live together. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people out here in Brampton area uh, do the same. Um, big farmhouse. And 10 boys, cousins, brothers, we all wrestled. Uh, Dad was the coach. Um, so the only difference, you know, we all horse around as kids, but he was calling, calling the moves, <laughs> do this, do that at the same time. Um, so it was an interesting time. When did you realize you were a step ahead of the other members of your family? I mean, you ended up in the Olympics, uh, Pan Am gold medalist, if I'm not yeah. gold medalist, right? Yes, in the yes. Pan Am Games, yeah. So when did you realize that you were just better than everybody else in your family? Yeah. Not, I, not to diminish, maybe you guys had a, a hidden gem that, that was good in the, in the barn, but not good when it came to competition. For sure, for sure. You know what? <laughs> Everyone was a part of the, the greater, the whole. Um, we all sharpened each other. Um, but I guess it's one of those things, you stay consistent, you stay after it long enough, you're going to see success. So I just stayed after it long enough. Um, you know, beyond high school, I went to Simon Fraser University, uh, very storied program there. Um, then Team Canada, um, uh, Pan Ams, Commonwealth Games, Olympics. So hit, checked all those uh, boxes, and now it's going to be the UFC title. So to get to where you were, what was a day in the Buller household like? When you'd go to school, wake up in the morning? Yeah. Walk me through that. Yeah, so you, first of all, you get up, um, a lot of people, a lot of noise, a lot of kids getting ready for school, uh, different sets of parents, changing everybody. Um, everyone's kids uh, was everyone's. It was a whole. Um, and we all went to the same schools. Um, I went to French Immersion, so je parle français aussi. Wow. Um, Gotta get you on RDS. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so did that, and you know what? Uh, when we came home, uh, even now, multiple kitchens, a lot of food going around. I'm a heavyweight. I had to eat, so that was natural. Uh, and then the gym. Then everyone went to the gym together. Um, and obviously, schoolwork, you, 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 you kind of found time for as well. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun, um, a lot of love. And um, wrestling was, was the common denominator then. It's the fight game that's the common denominator now. You're the perfect uh, level of heavyweight. You're not the heavyweight that needs to cut to 265. Yes. And you're not a light heavyweight. So you, you get to eat at will. Yes. All year round. I love it. Life is good. <laughs> uh, heavyweights don't have to cut that weight. Um, yeah. And, and you, know, you know how it is. 240, 245 is the ideal weight for heavyweights. 
Um, the guys that are having the most success are in that um, you know weight range, so it's perfect for me. I got to eat my dal and roti at home. Uh, I got my you know my wife's cooking, my mom's cooking, everybody in the house. Um, if I don't like what's made here, I go there. Um, so everyone's still taking care of me. It takes a village to raise to raise uh, a champion, they say, right? Yeah, you know, I never realized, I never really put that two and two together in terms of the optimal weight because if you look at the champions from the last 10 years, I guess, other than Brock Lesnar, yeah. they're all around that range. Kane, your teammate. Yeah. DC, your DC, teammate. Stipe. Stipe is in that range. Junior. Yeah, absolutely, they're Junior. All, they're all Verduma. right there. That's yeah. right. Randy, when he was mm -hmm. up there. Um, all these guys. If you want longevity in the weight class, that's your weight range and you need a wrestling pedigree. Um, all those guys are all have a wrestling pedigree, um, and you know what? DC is the Olympian, Olympic team captain, and I'll I'll, I'll follow his lead, that formula to win. Um, you know, all, all everything's lined up. Whether it's in Canada, whether it's in India, we're gonna have success, and we're gonna make a huge impact, and that's what really excites me. Your last fight, Marcelo Gom. Yes. Beforehand, all the analysis that I saw, everybody said he can't stand with this guy. He needs to take him down. Not only were you standing with him, you were out striking him. You looked a lot better than him on the feet. Yeah. Um, how much work have you been putting into that element? I mean, the wrestling is probably second nature to you at, the, at this point. Is much of your training striking based at this point? For sure. It's been an evolution. You know, at first it was just wrestling. I, you should have <laughs> seen my first fight or two. Um, no stand-up. I'm just rushing in for, for a quick clinch and takedown. Um, then it became, hey, I, I like this striking stuff. Then it was, okay, don't fall in love with that. Know what your roots are. So the, and, and now we're working out the balance where, you know, I don't have to think about the wrestling as much and I don't have to think of the striking as much. It's more you just go out there, muscle memory, um, and, and let your body take over. That's what a great training environment, great coaches allow you to do. Um, you know, back home, uh, I'm at Checkmat Vancouver um, and, and down in uh, California, I'm at AKA. So uh, everything's coming into a beautiful crescendo um, and, and I'm looking forward to my next fight. You unfortunately lost your first professional fight this, uh, this past year. That's right. And when that happened, it was an omoplata, which is rare, especially at heavyweight. Yeah. Um, you tap out. What's going through your mind? Uh, devastation, anger, upset, uh, all those things. Um, disappointment. Because if you watch that fight, I won every second of the fight. Um, so it, it wasn't one of those things where I got beat. Um, it was one of those things where I got caught. Um, and it, it, but you know what? We used it as a positive to build. Um, you know, like you said, the Oma Platas is, isn't something that maybe we didn't drill as much uh, or get into positions as much because it's not very common. Um, so we reevaluated a little bit of our approach. And for me, it was more mental than anything. That fight was going so well, I kind of started cruising um, and looking, looking, you know, to the finish line when it wasn't there yet. You have to stay present in this game. Um, it's it's kill or be killed, and and that's why he caught me. It was a mental adjustment, um, and. But you know what? Uh, we, we, like I said, we recalibrated, uh, reset, and uh, I dedicated myself to the grappling uh, tenfold after that. So that, that's the beautiful part of it. I will not get caught in that again. And in this last fight, how did you keep yourself uh, motivated for all three rounds? Uh, you know what? The motivation was there. You're coming off a loss. It's, it's, it's easy to be motivated. Um, you know, and beyond that, uh, I'm a competitive, competitive fighter. Um, so not only did that loss hurt, it also delayed my march up to, uh, to, 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 title, uh, to the title fight, which is my ultimate goal and ultimate uh, uh, mission in this is, is to be a champion. So, you know, that, that's always the, the, the motivating factor. Um, it doesn't matter who it is. Um, yes, that's a task at hand, but we're marching up the mountain for that end goal. Um, and I'm always motivated for that. Your teammate, Daniel Cormier, the heavyweight champion of the world, 
He says he wants to retire at age 40. That's, I think, coming up in March. Yes. Dana White says he wants them to fight three more times. Yeah. Which of these scenarios is going to play out, in your opinion? You know what? Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't blame Dana for that. You know, he's, he, Daniel's doing good business. He's winning easily. He make, mm -hmm. He's making it look very yeah. easy. No damage he's taking. All those things. He's a dominant champion. Um, so Dana, for sure. And, uh, you know, he's coming from that aspect. Um, coming from Daniel's aspect as someone who cares for him. And if you even ask his coaches, obviously, you know, it starts with his family and his coaches before anyone else. They care for Daniel first. Um, and because of those reasons, they want him to stop. You know, you've done it all. Um, you've, you're healthy. You're making it look easy. So why wait until it doesn't go that way? He's done it all except for... He's, he's, yeah, I, that, that question mark. Um, there is John Jones, 100%. Um, but he has, you know, he's, he's defended that title. Um, he's won that title with John as away. He's won the heavyweight title, done something John has never done. To say he hasn't beaten one man, for sure. But that one man has also been out of competition due to his own uh, extracurricular activities. He's got an asterisk beside, asterisk beside his, all of his accomplishments, if you ask me. Um, when you, have, when you test positive for steroids, for cocaine, um, uh, and multiple times he's testing positive, and now he's admitting he's not ready for sobriety, um, there's a car crash waiting to happen. It's not an even playing field. Daniel Cormier is 100% clean, has always been. Um, no questions. It's very easy not to have tainted supplements and not to have question marks and red flags. I've known what, in my, I've been, I've been in the testing pool since I was 18 years old. I'm 32 years old now. I've known one person in all of those years who actually had a tainted supplement. Um, that's, a, that's a lot of years. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot it's, of tests. It's, 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 not, it's not difficult to stay clean. Um, but if John Jones continues to make it that way, and it's unfortunate because I would love to have seen him and Daniel go again and go again on, on the even playing field. Um, so we'll see. That's up to him. If he does fight John Jones at heavyweight and he beats John Jones, People are just going to say that uh, he didn't beat Jones at light heavyweight. It's, there's always going to be a little bit of a question mark. But I do think that heavyweight would be the best destination if they did have that fight in, in terms of success for Daniel. He doesn't have to cut the weight anymore. I'm sure uh, his days at light heavyweight are over, as much as he, I'm sure, would hate to admit that. You know what? He's probably heavier than me walking around, you know? Yeah. Um, and, again, he cut down because he's a loyal teammate. Uh, Cain Velasquez was, was dominating at heavyweight uh, when, when it was Daniel's turn. Um, so... He's, I think he's a better fit at heavyweight. It's easier for him. Um, the weight cut, the performance, he's got that knockout power, maybe not as much as he had at the weight class below. You know, if John Jones wants to come up and challenge him, I'm sure Daniel would entertain that. He's a competitor. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, like you said, people always point to things. So what is it, how is he satisfied? Uh, that's the real question. Is he happy riding off into the sunset on top? Um, I couldn't imagine a better way than that. And, and, and he's got a good gig, uh, you know, doing your guys' stuff on yeah, the mic. Yeah, he, he is doing a good job. So, so, he, so good. he set up beyond the sport. Um, nothing else is left for him. The weight-cutting thing still boggles my The fact that Max Holloway and Ortega are going to weigh less than I weigh right now yeah. in, like, a matter of hours is, to me, is the most mind-boggling thing you on the planet. You can draw inspiration from that, Aaron. Yeah. Well, to, to do what? To weigh 135 pounds if I want to? I'll pass. I'll, I'll leave the weight-cutting to the professionals. Um, so... You have a new member of your family. You brought a yes. Junie with you, your daughter. Yes. I was yes. very happy to see her because I also have a, a new daughter uh, in my family. Uh, let's bring a Junie up. I want, I, a want to say hello. I want to say hello to her. Yeah, let's bring her, bring her forward. This is her first time to Toronto, yes. to the Toronto this area. This is her first time on TV. First time. There uh, you go. Yeah, a lot of firsts here. You sneak her on. <laughs> there we go. Hello, Bato. She just woke there up. There she is, yeah. 
You mentioned to me she didn't get her hair from you. She got, she got it from Yeah, as you can see, she's got a full head of hair just like her dad. Uh, there you go. Yeah, how's, how's fatherhood treating you? This is your first. First, nine months old. Uh, a lot of firsts in her life. She's been to AKA now for my training camp. Oh, wow. yeah. Moncton for my last fight. She's here. We were in par Parliament right before this. Shout out Garethan Singh. Um, and so she's lived a lot of life in her nine months. And I'm very proud of uh, proud of her and very happy. And she sadly will not remember a thing. You'll have to show her photographs. 100 <laughs> percent. So what happened today in Parliament? Uh, you, you mentioned Jagmeet Singh's brother. Yes. Um, so Gurutin Singh, his Gurutin. name is mm -hmm. from Brampton East, um, uh, the riding. He's the MPP. Um, he took Jagmeet Singh's actually uh, seat, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and they're big fight fans um, and, and great community leaders. And he had sent me a message, uh, actually inviting me down in April for Sick Heritage Month down here. Um, and I told him, hey, I'm coming for Toronto for the UFC card. He's going, you got to come here. you got to be my guest. I'm going to bring you in. And he did a beautiful introduction on the floor, um, uh, introducing myself uh, in attendance there, um, and then gave me a tour and went for lunch. And you know what? We talk a lot of fight stuff. Um, and uh, he, he, they know from... Not only UFC, we're talking TKO, we're talking other promotions. Um, uh, they're, that, they're that into they're it. Into it. They're into it. I gotta get Jagmeet in here. I'd yeah. love to talk to yeah. him. Yeah, no, he, he, like through and through, he's like, before politics, he goes, I was going full steam ahead in the fight game. He blew out his knee. He had to re reconstruct knee surgery. Mm -hmm. And that sort of derailed him. Um, and because he's a social activist and that type of stuff, so he just stuck with the politics. But uh, his, he has a big heart for the fight game. And, uh, and we, even, we even talked uh, some politics and fight game mixing there between leadership. You know what? Told him, you know, Trudeau's got some hands on him. I've, I've seen, I've seen the, yeah, the, 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 box. The, the clip online. Uh, I, I was just ribbing him. So uh, it, it's cool. You know, we got leaders in our country who are active, uh, know the martial arts. Uh, it's a great time. We got a president down south who's supportive of the company uh, and those endeavors. So, uh, you know, our, our sport's getting uh, the platform it deserves. I've heard Andrew Shearer's uh, Taekwondo. Uh, oh, really? No, I made that up. Ah. All right. Well, it's Arjun Buller and uh, Junie Buller. Thanks for your time. Uh, thank you. Always say, nice thank seeing you. you. Say Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see you fight again. I know you mentioned uh, you mentioned London next year is what you're targeting. Yes, yeah, so we're targeting. I want to go to London. UFC London. I got many people out there. Um, South Hall, Birmingham, Manchester, Slough. They'll, they will turn out just like Brampton would have out here. Mm -hmm. um, so I really want to go there. I competed there. <laughs> I competed there for, in the Olympics in 2012. Um, so it, it would be wonderful to get out there and leave with my arm raised. Um, I wasn't able to do that at the Olympics on, on top of the podium. So I'd like to write that and leave, leave town with my arm raised and, and, and do that. So. All right. Well, as I mentioned, you're representing a nation of a billion, a nation of uh, 34 million here in Canada. And we Thank appreciate you. your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you. So before we wrap up, let's talk UFC 231. Toronto sold out. $3 million gate, as you heard Dana White say earlier. Phenomenal. I, I think they should do an event in Toronto every year. I really do. If you're going to do three Canadian events, one of them should be in Toronto. Toronto always shows up for these events. UFC 206, not a great card on paper. Interim title fight at the top of the card. Sold out. This fight card, two championship fights, sold out. Love it. The atmosphere was electric for 206. I'm sure it'll be equally electric for UFC 231. A lot of Canadians on this card. Um, so... Just looking at the fights from top to bottom, you got Ortega versus Holloway. Now, my feeling on this fight is if we have the old Max Holloway, I think Holloway beats Ortega. I think Holloway is able to stand with Ortega. Or Holloway doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's very, very cautious in there. And then once he gets going, he gets going. And I don't know if Ortega is going to be able to handle the pace that Max Holloway brings. But if this bad year that Max Holloway has had health-wise catches up with him and he's, he's not... 100% the max Holloway that he was, Brian Ortega can find an opening and, and win this fight.
no doubt. So dangerous at all times of the fight. You, you saw how many third-round finishes he had in a row, four in a row. Unbelievable. A record that may never be broken. Dangerous throughout the entire fight, even if he's behind on the cards. I watched this fight with Moicano the other night. We re-aired on TSN. And Moicano was picking him apart on the feet. And then Moicano, for whatever reason, takes him to the ground in the third round. Or take a slap on a guillotine that looks like it's not even in. It doesn't look like it's tight at all. And Moicano taps in like seconds. Then you look at the replay and you're like, wow, that doesn't look tight, but it is tight. Moicano actually here in Toronto in case uh, anything happens to this fight. It's the backup plan. The understudy, so to speak. So I, I like Holloway in that fight again. If Holloway is, is the Max Holloway that we're used to seeing, I think he wins this fight. Co-main event, Joanna Janjacek versus Valentina Shevchenko. And I'm not just saying this because Joanna was on the show. I've been saying this for quite some time that I think Joanna has a very, very good chance of winning this fight. And as a 3-1 to one underdog, I think it's insane. You know, if I, if I was doing my picks with Joe this week, she would be my pick because I think that she can easily put a pace on Valentina that will win her enough rounds to, to win the fight by decision. Shevchenko will be bigger, and a lot of people think that uh, Shevchenko could win inside the distance, but Shevchenko hasn't shown a lot of knock. I don't think she has a single knockdown registered in her UFC career. Now, of course, she's moving down from bantamweight to flyweight. She's already had that one fight with uh, Priscilla Kishwera, who she just completely dominated her. It was one of the most lopsided fights in UFC history, if you watch how long it lasted and, and just how much of an utter beatdown it was. But uh, I think that Joanna Janjacek uh, has a very good chance of winning this fight by decision, and that's that's the direction I'm going in. I think Janjacek is able to outpace Shevchenko and get a decision victory. We'll see how it goes. I mean, it's uh, the odds indicate that Shevchenko should win this fight about 70, 70 plus percent of the time, but I, I don't, I do not see it that way. A couple other fights to touch on, or at least uh, some Canadians on the card I'd like to discuss. Uh, Hakim Dewadu. This is going to be a big litmus test for him. Kyle Bochniak's a very tough opponent, very game opponent. And if uh, Dewadu wants to show that he does indeed have a lot of promise in the featherweight division, he's one and one right now. He's going to need a win over here uh, against Kyle Bokniak in his uh, in, in his home country. Um, we're finding out that Caitlin Chukagian versus Jessica I might be a number one contender's fight. Uh, I actually like Jessica I in that fight. She's an underdog as well. I think that Jessica I, um, the flyweight division is perfect for Jessica I. She's at her optimal size, her optimal strength. And uh, not not that Jukagian isn't. I mean, Jukagian was fighting as an undersized bantamweight as well. But I think that Jessica I at 125 pounds uh, brings a lot to the table. That uh, I think she's just going to be a much better fighter in this division. And her record uh, isn't indicative of, of how good of a fighter she is. Elias Theodoru, unfortunately, uh, during media day, revealed that he did not get a therapeutic use exemption for cannabis. Uh, he was here with me in the studio talking about that process and... Uh, Unfortunately, didn't uh, this didn't go his way for him. Hopefully, they can re-explore and revisit this. But uh, he did all the right things to try to get make it happen, and it didn't happen, unfortunately. He's facing Eric Anders. He's a slight favorite. Um, this is an interesting one. It really is. Because Anders has a lot of power, but we've seen what Theodoru, uh, the Theodoru was able to last three rounds against Thiago, San- Thiago Santos. Um, and I think the- Theodoru might just put a good pace on Anders and be able to take him down, be able to to uh, get him in the clinch and, and put volume on him and, and, and go to get a decision win. And that's the direction that I think this fight will go in. But it's a really a coin toss fight. It's, that's a tough one to call. Olivier Aubin-Mercier versus Gilbert Burns. That's a fun one. It's a very fun one. Because Aubin-Mercier's best weapon is his, uh, his, his grappling, his takedowns, and Gilbert Burns is a whiz on the, on the ground. So uh, if this stays on the feet, 
I think Oban Merzier can uh, can outpace him a little bit and, and win a decision. But if he tries taking him down, and you know, Burns can Burns is, is very dangerous. Uh, Brad Katona making his uh, his first uh, appearance outside of the Ultimate Fighter after winning the Ultimate Fighter, facing Matthew Lopez. Very very tough opponent uh, for him, but I think that he's going to uh, he's going to uh, show up and uh, and get the win over Matthew Lopez. Then Chad Lapriz, he was in studio with us a couple weeks back, and uh, I'm not sure why they made this fight with Diego Lima because Diego Lima has a very doesn't have, not have a very good record in the UFC. Uh, Chad Lapriz, I think, deserves to be fighting better competition at this point in time, and I think that uh, Chad Lapriz should cruise to a win here, probably inside the distance. The odds on Lapriz inside the distance is um, minus 116, and I think that's a pretty safe, uh, safe, safe bet. And then Kyle Nelson added to the card, and if you look at Fajeja inside the distance, minus 140, that's, uh, that's some solid value as well. I don't know enough about Kyle Nelson really to, be, uh, to, to definitively say that that uh, is definitely going to happen, but uh, I think that there's a solid chance of that happening. Diego Fajeja is one of those underrated guys in the UFC. Tough, tough out. If you look at what happened when he... Uh, he fought uh, Jared Gordon. He was an, an underdog, and uh, he he got it done against Olivier. An underdog got it done. Just a tough, tough guy, um, and uh, it's good to have him back. He came back off of a suspension, and uh, he looked really good in his last fight against Jared Gordon. So that's UFC 231. Go to tsn.ca/ufc. We got tons of coverage uh, behind the scenes at the event, and uh, I'm really looking forward to covering this one. Always nice to have uh, the UFC in our backyard, and uh, as a result, so many great in studio guests today. I told Ariel, I think this is this is the closest thing to a to an Ariel Helwani MMA show that we've had here. Lots of great guests, and uh, I'm privileged to do the show on a weekly basis. I appreciate you tuning in, and uh, we'll be back next week. I've also uh, organized uh, our annual roundtable, and by annual I mean the second one ever because this is the second year of the show, where I, I sit down with a lot of the different journalists that cover the sport, and we we talk about uh, the year's storylines. Look back at what we predicted last year, how that shake, shook out, and uh, we're going to do that again this year. So looking forward to that. That's probably going to be in two weeks. So thanks uh, for tuning in to the TSN MMA show. And again, tsn.ca slash UFC for all of this week's coverage. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.